For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. We are back after a few weeks hiatus, and we're going to take another hiatus, briefly anyway, after this, Uh, but we figured we would give you sort of one last episode to, to bookend our first year of, uh, of podcasting and our first year of, uh, of, of Titans coverage on this platform. So, so as we do that, guys, um, we are c- very quickly coming upon the one-year anniversary of this new venture. And so with that being the case, I will give you all the floor to talk about how wonderful it's been. Yes, it has been wonderful. It doesn't feel like it's only been a year just because we've been doing this for longer, but yeah, we were doing it on another platform, and, and it was kind of a different structure, the, sh- the show, really. Uh, obviously, I like this new structure a little bit better. It just gives us a little more freedom, uh, plus being able to rail on people in the no-nonsense segment is just, yes, you know, the best, the best uh, <laughs> out of all the episodes. It's, it's beautiful. It's obviously super fun, and we enjoy doing it. it. There's something special about just being able to go to town on somebody at the end of a podcast and just be like, you know, this person has been so aggravating, and I've been wanting to talk about it all week, but I'll just save it up, and then you can just absolutely unleash on somebody. So, and I, and like, I mean, I've, it's generally been cowherd, but yes. <laughs> there, there have been other people. <laughs> and I've kind of had this experience with that, too, where it's like, it's not that I look for the stuff to happen. It's just the more we've done this, like – I never, rarely will I come to an episode thinking like, oh, I, I don't have one. Because it's like, I'll see something during the week and I'll be like, yep, that's it. That's getting my uh, getting my nod this week for Stop the Nonsense. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter or Facebook, you can do so by going to at No Nonsense Pod. You can also subscribe to or follow the show wherever you're listening for easier and faster access 
to all of our episodes. And if you really like the No Nonsense podcast and you want to sport any of our logos, you can find No Nonsense gear, including T-shirts, hoodies, hats, galore, at shop.spreadshirt.com slash pod. I will say, uh, we, we the three of us will admit, it was a little tough coming up with topics to talk about for this episode because we're sort of in... Like, like, I think people talk about right after the draft being off-season limbo, but this, the month of June, and I know we're in July now, but but this sort of period is really where it sets in. Yes, it, it was tough. I even floated around the idea of doing a, you know, Tannehill quarterback ranking type, but this time with Derrick Henry and the running backs. Don't know how far we would have gotten, just because really aren't that many running backs that are better than Derrick Henry, and I don't know how fun that really would have been just because the running back position has kind of become so devalued and, you know, quarterbacks are just a lot more fun to talk about. Uh, but the season's getting closer. Like, you know, we've been stretching this out this offseason, uh, especially given all that's been happening around the world. But we're already in July. Within a month, you know, the players are going to report back. I don't exactly know the dates, uh, assuming all – goes as planned i don't know whether that's going to happen but if it does the players will be back soon and preseason's almost right around the corner really yeah this is the time of year usually you see a bunch of you know depth chart analysis like let's look at the running back group let's look at the offensive line and that that's all valuable it's just it's not something that we've really committed to spending a lot of time on just because we've talked through you know every step of the process and how this team's been built so you know, we, we might get to that at some point. Who knows? But that this is the time of year where everybody starts putting 2019 that season and the 2020 or 2020 off season like all the way behind. And you start really focusing on what's coming up, who's hurt, who's coming off injuries, all, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that that'll probably be where we shift in the future. But this is that dead period where nothing's going on. Nobody's signing anything, you know. All the new information we have right now is just about whether or not we'll have a season. So it, it's it's been kind of a slog, but I mean, I still I mean we still enjoy doing this. So we're just we're glad to put this out, and hopefully the Titans sign Clowney in two days, and we record another one. You know, Will, you mentioned a phrase, or uh, you said you know, we're kind of at a period where there is stuff coming up. We're no longer saying, okay, you know, who did the Titans or any other team add? and who did they draft it's sort of like saying okay you know let's put on the helmets and play some football but uh and we're gonna get into the what the preseason and training camp might look like in just a little bit but i do want to say with football and just the sport in general in the regular season you know our last episode was titled something along the lines of uh why things are looking good for an nfl season to happen and uh when we made that episode that was the case but since then, uh, the coronavirus numbers have started to uh, seems to have gone back up. A lot of uh, places are implementing stricter policies when it comes to wearing masks. You've heard the phrase used of uh, you know second wave things like that. And and so just kind of an update, guys. What are y'all thinking? Uh, it may or may not happen with all of this. I am extremely 50-50. I don't know. I could see both scenarios. Uh, I think, 
whether the NBA goes through with their season will be a very good barometer of whether there there will actually be an NFL season. But that's all the way at the end of July, so I think the NFL will probably have it resolved by then. But like I said, like if, if the numbers keep getting worse, and you know I'm not a doctor or anything, and or a politician, and I don't make decisions. But if the numbers keep getting worse, I just I I don't see how it's possible. And you know there's going to be players that are not going to play simply because they don't want to jeopardize their health and they don't want to jeopardize the health of their family members. So there, it's this is not going to be normal by any stretch of the imagination. But I think over the next couple of weeks, maybe we'll probably get a better gauge on whether it actually does happen or not. Yeah, one of the things that concerns me is I don't think we'll know until about two weeks from Saturday. Like, uh, July 4th is going to be a really big time because it's the perfect time for people to say, you know, well, I've been wearing a mask and I've been social distancing, but I'm going to go see my family and friends and hang out. And, you know, I'm going to go to the lake because they say it's okay to be outdoors. I, I mean, that's obviously foolishness. So, like, don't do that. Um but I just I have such a big fear that that will happen that I feel like even right now I'm super optimistic. I don't see any way they don't have it just because of the money involved like that. That goes to a different point where I just think that, you know, the NFL and most sports leagues prioritize money over almost anything. And so, like, at, until something actually happens and somebody like dies from it, like on the court or like, you know, I just I don't think it'll happen. But. I mean, sorry, I should, I should clarify. I don't think that they will cancel anything permanently. Um, so with that being said, if everybody just does what they're supposed to, like, and, you know, the things that we've been told since all this started, I think we were on a pretty good path before. Like, I think we can be on a pretty good path again quickly. Hopefully all these face mask uh, rules and regulations that they have now in places like Texas and, you know, in Tennessee and different places and, you know, just – basically everywhere that's one of these high traffic zones hopefully all that fixes this and by fix i don't mean take completely like eliminates it but just makes it to a point where it's manageable and where hospitals aren't overrun so if that happens and if people do what we know we're supposed to do then i'm a hundred percent confident we'll have a season hmm. i i i don't know i i really don't know because i've seen all the reports of NBA players who have been testing positive and they're going to be in a little bubble in Orlando. Like they won't have access to the outside world technically, uh, but they're already getting, you know, positive cases and football teams have 53 players on, on, on each roster. I just think it's, it's too many players. And I think too many players are going to actually end up getting, you know, diagnosed with the coronavirus, and it's just going to be, it's just going to circulate around the whole NFL. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm being too negative, but it just doesn't seem plausible to me, really. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things I want to say, Matias, I think you nailed it on how basketball and baseball and, and U.S. soccer, when that returns, I think will all three be litmus tests for. Uh, the NFL in terms of protocols and things like that. I also think, too, that as, as we were talking about before the show, what's going to hurt 
uh, the NFL is not, um, you know, spikes or the fans or anything like that. The problem with the NFL and really any of these sports that, that are about to start back up is going to be uh, when they get into a situation where, let's say, a coach or, or a staff member of some kind or a player uh, tests positive and then you've kind of got this protocol to go through where now everyone has to get tested because everyone's been around this person, even if you're in the bubble, right? Someone gets it in the bubble. Uh, the people around them got to get tested. You got to clean everything. You ain't got to worry about all this. And I made the example, like, let's say a pitcher throws six innings and then the next day he tests positive for the coronavirus. It's like, you know, at that point, like, what do you do? You kind of have to shut it down, especially like baseball when you're playing every single day. That's not easy to do and and keep a flow of things going. And so I, I think that it's going to be – I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, but I, I'm also, like you were kind of saying, uh, taking a wait-and-see approach. Will, and I think you nailed it on how the NFL, of all the sports leagues, I get I mean, primarily by virtue of the fact that they're not playing or weren't supposed to be playing, uh, has not really altered anything – other than the preseason, we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, they kind of have trucked right along. They said, we'll just do the draft digitally. Uh, you're just going to have to wait for your physicals, but we're still going to do free agency like normal. And so, you know, you do wonder at what point will the NFL sort of have to say, okay, yeah, that's a line that we just can't cross. Once uh, Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes gets the coronavirus, that's the line. That's it. Like Tom Brady's the one actively having workouts with people. In I know. Like an absolute moron. Um, like, like I mean, imagine this scenario. Like uh, the hope, obviously. Uh, what I've seen from experts is that the hope is there's a vaccine by January around that time frame. But let's say like. Massive early December game in the AFC South, or, or, or let, let's not let's go outside of the Titans. Massive game in the AFC East. It's Cam Newton and the and the Patriots against uh, you know uh, uh, Josh Allen Josh and, and the Bills, <laughs> and it's a huge game. And, and even though there's still a few weeks left in the season, this is really what that division is going to come down to. And like Josh Allen test positive for an asymptomatic case of this virus so he's not sick he could still play the game you know and if it it was any other type of illness but because it's coronavirus you got to sit him out so now what matt barkley comes in and gets crushed by cam newton and the patriots like they're kind of setting themselves up for that it's gonna happen but i mean that's that's kind of the whole sport right is like i mean if he tore an acl or if you know if he strained something in practice or whatever like that I mean, is true. Like it, we, I mean, we've seen Deshaun Watson tore his ACL in the middle of a season in a practice one time. But, so, but I, I feel like though, the difference is, if I for whatever reason decided right now I would like to tear my ACL, I, my the next question would be okay how. Whereas if I was like I want to get coronavirus, I guarantee you that if I honestly wanted to get it by Sunday, I'd have it. Yeah, I mean. I guess you could give it to yourself, but like, couldn't you just like shoot yourself in the foot too? Like if you wanted to get out of a game, like, I mean, I I guess, I guess the whole thing is it's like, if somebody wants to get out of a game, all they have to do and players have said this before is all you have to do is say you have something wrong with your back. 
that they can't they can't force you to play with that and they can't really determine what's wrong so like if the player wants to get out of it they can um but i mean i, I guess the whole thing is like why would you and but I, I don't know like i think the way to do this and it's kind of the way i think the nhl has approached it is you test people multiple times a week you in it's that's uncomfortable and it sucks, but at the same time, it doesn't suck as bad as getting the virus. Um, you like you monitor people, you do temperature checks, you do all that kind of stuff. And if somebody gets it because they go out to a restaurant or something and they pick it up there, I mean that's that's just on them. Like I mean that that you like that's your player not trusting you know your information and not doing what he's supposed to for the team, you know as unfortunate as that is and as callous as that is, I mean, it is similar to what would happen if any of the jobs went out and got it, you know, recklessly too. Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. Like there's going to be people, there's going to be players that get it. There's going to be coaches that get it and the league will have to adapt and we'll see how bad it is. But, you know, like we've talked about already, Major League Baseball, NHL, basketball, like they're all supposed to get their leagues up and running by the time, basically at the same time training camp starts. So you get a full month of seeing what they're doing, what works and what doesn't. Hopefully you can adapt and take what works and build off of that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, none of us can predict kind of what people are going to do or else we would have seen the spike coming. And I mean, a lot of people did see the spike coming because of how close everybody was to each other, but you know, maybe they end up doing it. Cause I know they did this for high school football in some places where uh, you have some people practice on one field and then you have another group practice on another and you stagger things and you kind of layer people in. But I mean, it truly, there's no way to know what the league will do until we see, kind of what happens with everybody else yeah i'd feel better if they had like like the nba does just one designated location where everyone will play all the games but that's not really possible now it's not possible baseball is not doing that mls is and uh and and nba is but baseball they're not not, no fans but they're playing at the home stadiums really yeah Yeah. i thought they were gonna play in arizona Mm-mm. That's old news, I guess. Nope, they're playing at the home stadiums. Uh, and to further the point, I think, there of this is all going to be a test to see what does this look like and how does it work. Um, but before we advance to talking about cancellation of preseason games and whether that's a big deal, uh, Will, you mentioned and were very upset that the supplemental draft has been canceled, according to the Collective bargaining agreement, the supplemental draft is essentially a privilege that the NFL has the opportunity to grant. And this year, probably wisely because of the coronavirus, they said, nah, we're just not going to do it this year. Uh, So, Will, I'll give you the floor because this has been something you have been talking about for weeks. Yeah, I mean, the supplemental draft is always super fun to talk about. I think this is... Uh, I'm going to go the complete opposite and say that this is the worst idea the NFL could have (laughs) for a lot of reasons. Um, First of all, because the point of the supplemental draft is you're giving kids who declared or who decided not to declare for the draft back in January and February, you're giving those kids an opportunity to rethink. And if they have something that's changed between then and now, 
they're eligible. They should be eligible. It has to go before like a committee or it has to be decided upon, but they should be eligible to enter the supplemental draft. Usually that's for drug related issues or you get kicked off a team, you know, whatever, like, but something happens between point A and point B. Well, what happened between point A and point B this year is a global pandemic that's killed hundreds of thousands of people. So I would say that their situation has changed and I don't know of a better time for this to happen. So now you've got somebody like, you know, Marvin Wilson is a defensive tackle from Florida State. Dylan Moses is a linebacker from Alabama. You have these high profile names that could have declared last year but decided not to because they wanted to return to their team, go from a late first round to a high first round, like get healthy, whatever the reasoning was. And now, you know, like we talked about earlier, I, I'm confident that we'll have a season if we do what we're supposed to. But I mean, we don't know about NFL or the NCAA. Like they've got a lot more traveling. They've got to go to college campuses. Like they can't be as inoculated as the rest of us, or, or as the NFL teams, I should say. So to me, it doesn't make any sense for them to cancel this because this should be them extending a lifeboat to the kids who tried to service their schools well and tried to do what they thought they were supposed to do for their teammates. And you're giving them a lifeboat and saying like, look, here's your chance to go where you were supposed to go and get to the NFL now. And instead you're going to put them on a college campus and have them risk, the, risk their own health and risk this, you know, potentially getting the coronavirus because, but, but well, isn't like the purpose of the supplemental draft at its core is not to have like a Dylan Moses in there. Like it's like you were talking about, it's usually like drugs or, or some sort of circumstance change. Obviously, right, what has happened would qualify as circumstance change, but it, it's sort of like defeating the purpose at that point. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, it, that the league accidentally does something positive and the right thing. I mean, like, that just because that's been kind of like a, a like a redo or whatever for people who've had injuries or people who've dealt with drugs or whatever like that's been the historic use of it because there's never been a chance that the season just might not happen but like if i i guess i don't understand what's the benefit for the NFL to cancel this to choose not to do this well what's the loss i mean will Well, the loss is you get somebody like Dylan Moses who goes back to Alabama where Alabama is having parties specifically designed for people to get coronavirus and they're giving prizes out like you're sending (laughs) that guy back to campus like under the rules of the NCAA where he's supposed to be, quote unquote, a student athlete and he can't get special privileges, even though we know that's all not true. But at the same time, he is going to go back to that campus and you're instead of giving that guy a chance to rethink his decision and come to the NFL you're sending him back to Alabama like I said where they're intentionally getting this like you know it is a life-threatening virus not not necessarily as much to that age group but it's still like we still don't know the long-term ramifications of it and instead of having teams elect to just not select him for whatever reason you're just not gonna I mean it I don't see any benefit to that. Like, if there's no interest from the teams, fine. Let them tell agents and let let them sort it out that way, the way they do with other guys before the regular draft. But if I, I, there's no explanation on why this didn't happen, and I, I don't understand it. Matthias, well, you big you big supplemental draft guy. 
I don't I don't know. I don't really I don't really care that much, but I I think the reason that the NFL doesn't want this is because they don't want uh like the team with the number 1 pick, the Bengals to get Joe Burrow and then they get another number 1 pick through the supplemental draft. Granted they lose their first round pick next year, but they probably won't even be picking first next year. So it in a sense it might be unfair. But at the same time it would have been pretty cool to get a very you know loaded supplemental draft because we just never have yeah and it's and it's not like you know trevor lawrence can't declare so it's like they still have to be guys that decided not to declare earlier like you still have to be the same three years removed as you were so it's just a guy declaring you know it, i mean i don't i don't know i guess i guess i don't understand like how it hurts the NFL. Like, and I've heard that argument before that it's like, well, you don't want somebody getting a first round talent. It's like, well, then why have the supplemental draft at all? I mean, like if you're afraid of people getting good talented players on their roster, then why that's did you good... build this structure? Because I no, think that's a no. fair question. I don't know why the supplemental draft well, even exists. I no think it's pl- a joke to no, be no player in their right mind. Who's going to be a first round pick. And be like, I'm going to go to the supplemental draft instead. Because like, you're mortgaging your future at that point when you when you make picks in the supplemental draft. Uh, most years, nobody picks anybody. I know that happened last year. And if anything, it's like maybe the Cardinals or someone makes a fourth-round pick. So, I don't know. I think it's breaking the system. But, I mean, who, who is the last who is the last high-profile player to go? I mean, like, Josh, Josh Gordon. Gordon was kind of high-profile. Yeah, like, he was kind of high-profile, and he went and say, you know, like. Oh, prior. It's random. Yeah, like, but like they, you know, what do you get drafted for? Like third or something? Longest quarterback yeah. run in NFL history. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But it's just one of those things where I think it's more risk on the team than it is the prospect. Like, I mean, you're given, you're truly given 32 ch- teams a chance to spend a draft pick on you in every round. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't understand why the NFL would do it. I don't understand. There's, to me, there's no way they can justify their position other than the fact that they're doing it so that the NCAA can keep a lot of their talent and so the draft is more interesting next year, but I, I, I don't get it. Hold on. Fun fact. Uh, Titans wide receivers coach Rob Moore was a first-round supplemental yeah. draft. Yeah. There's, really? there's, I no idea. Chris Carter was too, I believe. Um, yeah, he like No, not first round. He, Chris Carter was fourth round. Second. But oh, fourth round. Yeah, but like either way, like I mean, there's a lot of like I think there's been nine first round picks in the supplemental draft, nine or eleven, something like that. Yeah. Um, the Giants like, got a quarterback named Dave Brown, and he was awful. Yeah, he was really bad. <laughs> um, but like that's the thing is, it's like you know, I don't know. Like let's let's just say it's Dylan Moses. Like if you're a team that wanted a linebacker in the first round this year, like why don't you just spend a second round pick in the supplemental draft to get him? Like. That guy gets a four-year contract, gets to get immediately paid, and like gets to hit free agency sooner, and doesn't have to risk anything over the next year. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, well, I, I have I have two questions, and we need to get to a, a, a commercial break. So why don't we we have the commercial break, and then we'll sort of continue this discussion. Although we'll, we will extend it beyond just the supplemental draft. So two questions I have that I think are going to be uh, integral in, in defining how the NFL and really all of these sports leagues rebound. So 30 seconds from one of our sponsors, and then we will be right back. Okay, so my two questions. First one is this. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. I 
let's say it doesn't happen. You know, you kind of get like three games played and then it shuts down and they're like, yeah, this is a bad idea. We let's cut our losses. So what, the Dodgers gave up prospects, or if this was an NFL example, draft picks for someone that essentially never played for them. And so we're going to count that as a year of service time. Like, I, that's that's what I think is going to get really interesting. It's, you know, and it can work both ways. It can work against the team and it can work for the team. You know, such and such free agent uh, that signed a huge deal, they made their full salary their first year without having to play a single game. Um, and, and, and then uh, it can work in the team's advantage if uh, or it can work against the t- Yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um, Matias, do you want to answer this? You, you know more about baseball. You can do a one-to-one comparison like better. Dude, I'm going to be honest. I didn't hear anything you just said. Okay, uh, then, 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 then I'll go over. Uh, wait, wait, hold think... up. Were, did were, did you have me muted, or were you not like not listening? Because no, no, I got I got a message and I completely zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Will, then, then then it's on you, man. Take it away. Yeah. All right. So, like, I think the whole like season accrued thing is something they'd all have to talk about. If the season started and it went three games, like, then I think you're just out of luck if you're the owners. Like, you play, you pay the players like you normally would. They get all their bonus that they normally would. But, like, salaries are given out like not as a yearly thing. It's as a per game thing. So, like, they just you would give out three sixteenths of their salary and then you would keep the rest like that's just the way that the checks work in the nfl by ball accounts that i know um other than the bonuses which i think are given out at specific dates earlier in the year and they would get those bonuses or they're prorated or whatever um so that's that's my understanding of how that would happen as for like free agency contracts i think that would be something that the uh, nflpa and that the nfl owners have to decide i would assume that a lot of I would assume the overwhelming thing would be to vote that the season uh, does count and that they let them be free agents again. That way, you know, you can re reevaluate your roster. Like if you've got Tom Brady, like you want that year to accrue because you don't want to be stuck on the hook for him for, you know, two more years at the same price. Like mm-hmm. you've already had one offseason prohibited by these big contracts you might as well let the season accrue you don't actually have to pay those guys as the owner and you can renegotiate a deal like i think i think that would be in the best interest of everybody um but you know then then again i didn't just have to pay somebody like a 60 million dollar signing bonus um so i i I don't know but i would assume that that's that would be my guesses for how it went forward did they ever even figure out the 17th game thing with the yeah, salaries and all that. Oh no, that's not. They didn't do that. That's next year, right? Yeah, they they pushed this whole virus thing so yeah. that we wouldn't uh, find out. Expanded so, playoff is this year, uh, but uh, with seven teams. Yeah. Why? How does that? I don't even know. Because we works. all wanted this. Because we all wanted Duck Hodges and the Cowboys to be in the playoffs last year. <laughs> Uh, y'all are mad. I'm cool with it. Like, I think the of Titans course. are drafted like 20th or 19th or something. Like, 
a few times in the past few years, like, and we just missed the playoffs. So I just it that's true. How does it work though? The first seed gets a buy, and then the rest have to play. Yes. So I guess that's fair. The first two shouldn't really get a buy, so I'm kind of yeah. The first and it, it doesn't help anybody. Like, look at the Ravens. They I know. Yeah. The Titans because they took off like three weeks to rest their players. Like, you know. We've uh, we've got two more things to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense. First is the preseason, uh, because the NFL announced that two of the four preseason games for each team will be canceled, and there were even some players that came out and were saying like, "Yeah, there even aren't even going to be two. We're probably not going to do the preseason." Now, Will, you said they're going to play the second and third games, correct? Correct. That are currently That's- scheduled. Yeah, yeah, they're knocking out one and four, and I believe that gives everybody uh, a home game and an away game. Okay. Um, so, uh, look, and I got into an argument with someone on Twitter yesterday about this. I don't have much use for the preseason, and I, I think it is a myth that it's like a way for back end of the roster players to like make their way onto the roster. Every now and then, sure. But to act like by having to endure these four games of torture that, like, some dude is... I mean, I can think just of the Titans. Countless examples of players that were incredible in the preseason and never saw the light of day when it came to final cuts. Like, it... it, it the, Trey McBride. Just say it. Exactly. He's one. Uh, Robert Spillane is another one. And I, I'm Googling because I, I wrote a column about the preseason last year, and I'm trying to find a quote in there from Logan Ryan because I remember I asked him if the preseason is worth it, and he paused, and he was like, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, but it's because it's not. And I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but uh, where's the quote? Okay, here it is. He said, that's a good question. It's just that everything has a lot of coverage now. We don't know in the NBA what players go to practice in their offseason. I don't know right now who went to spring training for the Phillies. I don't know if Bryce Harper went or not. It's not covered every day. So, I mean, obviously because of NFL Network and the coverage, this is entertainment. That's every single day of the year. They moved the draft back. The combine's now in prime time. They got guys running 40s at 9 p.m. now. So everything is about having good coverage. I think the preseason is important to get in shape, to get reps, to get chemistry, but back in the day, preseason and training camp was put in before they had OTAs. Guys had other jobs. They had training camp for a couple of weeks to get in shape. But now we work out all year. We have OTAs, then a little break, and most of us go train for training camp. So we extended our offseason in that right as the game has grown and changed. Back in the day, because of salary, they had to work other jobs. Now this is our only jobs. And then I wrote, translation, the NFL preseason does have value for veteran players, but not as much as it once did. And then what about the young guys? Uh, I asked uh, Vrabel kind of about that, and uh, he, he said, I said, so if, if such and such roster bubble guy makes an interception in a preseason game, is that going to make a difference whether he makes the roster? And Vrabel said, which game? What did he do in practice? There's a lot of things that go into it aside from, oh, he made four picks in the fourth preseason game. He may have had 15 mental errors before that. What is an interception? Until you show it to me, I can't really tell you if it was a good play or a lucky – so – all of that to say, this is like, and this person on Twitter was accusing me of being like 
an, a, an uneducated fan. It's like, I have asses. And, and, and if we get any media access at training camp this year, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm going to ask as many players as I can that question of, is the preseason worth it? And I guarantee you that 90% of them are going to give <clears throat> answers close to the exact same one that Logan Ryan gave, which was essentially like, yeah, sort of, but not really and not as much as it once was. I've talked a lot. You, you guys go. No, I, I think it's good that you brought up those quotes because I know we've had this discussion before, and I'm pretty sure during one of those discussions I've like openly said I don't even think there should be a single preseason game. I honestly don't think it does anything for you. And those quotes kind of backed it up. Uh, like, I, I just don't understand the, this this thinking that these starters need the reps to, to to gain chemistry. Maybe in some way that makes sense, but what offense are they running? They're not running their normal offense because they don't want to give anything away. They're running it full at half speed. And I just don't think I don't think it matters. I really don't. I think for the most part the preseason is to get your legs under you and to get into like game shape exactly. fit, fitness wise. I don't think Maybe mentally, maybe to like, I don't know, to, to get hit and like remember what it's like to, to you know, get hit by another uh, someone from another team. But I, I just I don't know. They're not doing anything even in like the dress rehearsal games or, or like in the third preseason games where the starters play maybe a half. What does that do for you? I, I really don't they know. Don't, because- and that was another part of this column I wrote. They're not even doing that anymore. Sean McVay, his starters don't play at all in the preseason. Yeah. Jared, Jared Goff yeah. has not played the preseason in two years. Uh, and the Titans have yeah. sort of started to move toward that trend. And it could, before Will talks, I think it might be counterintuitive, actually, because a lot of these players are trying really hard to not get injured in these preseason games. They're marking. And I They're don't, marking. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think that's, like, a safe way to play football when you're, like, you know, worried about uh, not getting injured and not being able to just play normally. Okay, so uh, I guess I'm going to be more on an island here. Uh, I think part <laughs> of it, we've, ta- we've touched on a lot, so um, I'll kind of go through what I can uh, remember. First off, uh, Matias, you said something about how you don't really know – what the value is except for maybe like getting hit and stuff. And I think that's a real thing. Like mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, you don't realize like, okay, it turns out my upper body is not strong enough and I need to fix that quickly because you know, this, this, and this, I didn't realize my shoulder hurt as bad as it did. When I lock out like this, I need to go see a trainer because I've only been doing half speed reps. Like I didn't realize, you know, all those kind of things, like little things you can't, evaluate unless you go full speed and nobody goes full speed in practice and they barely go full speed in preseason games so i think that is important um and that's something that you can't get from otas um that's one thing also i think there's something to be said about letting your scout see other guys versus nfl competition and what i mean is not only seeing your guys as in like your wide like your rookie wide receivers your second year you know your Jameel Douglases like these guys your Aaron Stennies like seeing them against NFL competition and then also seeing the guys on the other side of the ball like 
okay, Isaiah Mack's been killing people in practice for us. He's been killing our second-string offensive linemen, blah, blah, blah. Let's see, like, what he does against somebody else's offensive lineman. Well, if Green Bay has a really good offensive lineman that just absolutely shuts him down, maybe he's a guy you look at to claim for your practice squad or to add to the back end of your roster or whatever you want to do, and that affects what you do long-term. Um, I think that's part of it. Another part of it is getting your new coaches acclimated to what game day is like for that playing for that head coach. So, uh, for example, like now you're going to have uh, the linebacker Haslett. You're going to have Haslett working with Rabel for the first time in their career. So, does does Haslett know what he wants to look for when? Uh, when the defense is on the field, does Vrabel say, like, look, I want you to just watch the linebackers? As, or does he say, I need you to tell me whether or not we're getting in the right techniques in the front, what we're missing, all that kind of stuff. Like, you don't know how that chemistry, I guess is the best way to say it, works. Yeah. It's also a, it's also a great chance to give somebody like Shane Bowen, who, you know, may be part of the weird three-headed defensive coordinator thing that we have going on in Tennessee this year. Like, it gives him a chance to say, like, all right, like, there's no stakes in this game. You call the next few plays. Here's the ten plays you can call. Just do this, and then we can talk about why you called them and what you did wrong and what I would have done and yada, yada, yada. You can have that conversation after, and you can't get that simulated experience anywhere else. So there's a lot of things. I I agree with you, Will, that I think the best argument – in defense of the preseason is rhythm. You know, the players need to, like you said, know what it, get a reminder of what it feels like to get hit because football is all about rhythm, right? Th- you think of an offensive play and the amount of rhythm and timing that goes into it from the quarterback's throw to the receiver to the quarterback's drop back to, you know, is does the snap when it spins and the long snapper does it, does it rotate enough? And what about a motion play? How do we ensure that guys aren't bumping? Right? It's all about rhythm. And so I think that the best argument, and I, and I, I concede this, right? It's one of the benefits of the preseason is it gives you a chance to get into rhythm. And I'm not saying do away with the preseason. What I tweeted was, you know, this should have happened years ago. This being cut it in half. I don't think you need four. I think two is plenty for that purpose. What I have a problem with is the argument of, well, it's a good chance for those younger guys to really show out and earn a place on the roster because it's just not happening. Now, granted, I don't cover all 32 teams, but with the Titans, it just isn't happening. Like last year, I didn't need to watch the preseason to tell you that Khalif Raymond was going to make that roster. I knew that before they even played a preseason game because you could just tell on the practice field that they liked him and they were giving him opportunities and he did everything that they wanted him to do. The only thing in terms of roster composition that I learned, and depth chart, in terms of roster composition and depth chart that I learned from the preseason last year was that Taewon Taylor was going to go, right? Because he stunk. (laughs) And so in, in, in that argument, the only thing that happened for the Titans last year was that someone screwed themselves out of an opportunity by their preseason performance, not the other way around. But I mean that that has just as much like, and I'll concede this since you conceded that. Like, I don't think that the fourth game of the preseason is interesting at all or worth it. Like, I'm not saying that that's some sacred piece of history that needs to be saved. Like, 
You can no, you can just have worst. three. In fact, you could have two football game, two preseason football games, and stagger them so that each team gets an extra week of rest, and they get they you know you don't feel bad about playing your starters back to back weeks. You alternate weeks and you schedule it like that, so you still still spend four weeks worth of training camp getting all these things done. But there's only two games played, but they're games that actually kind of matter. So I mean, you could definitely do that, and I, I can see a lot of value in shifting to that. What I don't like is the idea of it's like, well, we'll pull it back to three games and then the coach is basically making the third game, the fourth game and making the first game, the second game, all that kind of stuff like that. That bothers me because at that point, I think you're getting less out of the players. So if you're going to cut it from four, just cut it all the way down to two. But don't be surprised when you have coaches who aren't on the same page. During, and, and this is the thing that you can't really see it like you won't be able to see a coach telling a guy something wrong because he doesn't have the experience and you won't be able to see well i expected my guard to take two steps forward but because we're playing a three four he only could take one step forward and i would have known that if we played a preseason game like and you know you there's no way to tangibly say that but that's why those games exist so as far as tangible reasons why those games should be around it's hard to give you any but i mean i know that for the owners and for the league, they've done it for the money and the coaches and, you know, players have gone along with it as long as they have, because there is some, albeit small inherent value to it. But yeah, just in terms of, is this a place where an undrafted free agent can absolutely make a roster over somebody they invested money in? No, like, and especially not for every team. So like, I, I, I will agree with all that. Uh, quick, uh, quick, uh, question, I guess. What exactly would we even be looking for in a Titans preseason? Like, what is whether Isaiah Wilson or Dennis Kelly should be the starting right tackle? Yeah, like, uh, that's like the that, only story maybe the receivers, the fourth, fifth yeah. receivers. They're bad. There's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing to get from that. I mean, you can tie it in. You could look at uh, is Ferkser good? Can you put Ferkser somewhere, or do you have to have Kyrie Blassen game still? Like. I mean, it's it's small things like you know is kicker like, Sorry, sorry. Oh That's god, true. that is actually true. We do need to see if we can have a kicker who can kick more than one kick every four games or whatever. Um, also, corner like you want to see if Christian Fulton can do it, or if you have to rely on somebody like Jonathan Joseph for like a few weeks. Oh my god, don't put that. Right. Or if you can get, or if you <laughs> don't get put that into the universe. So that, so that Darrington Evans. Not on the team. Willen is not on the team. Yeah, that's why you got to. That's why you got to have preseason. Go out and find out if you need to go grab him. Like you don't want somebody else to snatch him up. <laughs> Wait, who is this? I'm, I'm, I missed to that. Uh, sorry, David Fluellen, aka he's, Flu he's... Season. Oh dear. <laughs> um, I, I, we've got one more thing to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense. And that is training camp, because it, it usually goes hand-in-hand with the preseason. Uh, you know, and the thing about training camp is it's probably going to happen, but uh, my concern is how much media access is there going to be. And it's not just because, like, listen for a second. Because you may be thinking, oh, this guy just wants his access, and he just wants to... No, 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 no. Because Titans fan listening to this podcast... Uh, if there's no media access, and I mean no media access outside of like Jim Wyatt and whoever is taking pictures for the Titans, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get watered down team first versions of what happened, what's happening. And, and mm-hmm. I know you're a Titans fan, so 
I know you don't mind the pump up, so let me give you an example of what you're not going to get. Let's say Isaiah Wilson flat out stinks. That dude is getting worked in practice by Harold Landry every single day. You're never going to hear about it. You're never going to hear about it. Because even if there is a post-practice like Zoom press conference, what are we supposed to say, okay, Mike Vrabel, who was bad today? But what we can say is, gee, it sure has looked like Isaiah Wilson has struggled. What's been the problem there? But if we have no context, we can't ask about negative things. Or let's say, I'll stay on the offensive line. Let's say Taylor Lewan uh, comes up with an injury, and it's pretty clear that it's not going to be season-ending, but it's something that doesn't look quite right, and he misses several days of practice. Uh, the Titans and any NFL team are under under no obligation to report missed practice time until the regular season starts. So you, fan, will not know about that, ever, unless Jim Wyatt reports it. And all Jim Wyatt's going to say is, Taylor Lewan missed practice. Jim Wyatt's not going to say, Taylor Lewan sustained a pretty nasty-looking knee injury or whatever. So, and what, are we supposed to ask Frabel uh, who all left today? What do you think he would say to that? Right? And so, I'll stop talking, that's the problem with not having any media availability at practice. Yeah, it's an issue. And in addition to that, the only tweets we're going to get are those live play-by-play training camp tweets from like seven-on-sevens that I just, I hate, man. I'm going to be honest. I, I do not enjoy them uh, because it all, they always make it seem like Cameron Batts and Will's favorite player is just having the the training camp of his life and, and is going to be a game changer for the season and then the players that they rave about never do anything or we get that Mariota interception narrative that was so so random and so weird and it ended my, up amounting to absolutely nothing my favorite is when people tweet out like stats it's like yeah, Mariota yeah, yeah. Mariota was 8 of 12 today for 190 yards my, like I just before we're talking about our least favorite things is when they're like, man, Derrick Henry broke what looked like it could have been a huge run. It's like, yeah, because nobody's trying to tackle him. Like, of course not. I'm like, of course he had a great run. Like, there's no pads on. Um, so I, I get that. Like, you want you last like say you want you really need to have media there. Otherwise, like, like you said, like there's really no information. It, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without getting political. Um, so there's no impartial. Yeah, the, there's yeah. You need people who aren't invested in saying that everything's going great. Like you need people who are there to just say this is what we're seeing. You know, if Vrabel says that Dennis Kelly is the worst offensive tackle he's ever seen, and Dennis Kelly's out there winning every matchup, you know, something's wrong, but you would have no idea. Like if he's just saying things to say like, well, Isaiah Wilson needs to start because Dennis really hadn't stepped it up, but that's not what we've seen. Or if he says, you know, uh, I think we're good at wide receiver because insert drafted free agent here has been making a lot of plays, but if Luke goes and he hasn't seen him make a single catch, that's an issue. Like, I mean, you know, and then, Vrabel may be like, well, those plays, not not that Vrabel specifically would do this, but it would be like, well, you know, some of those plays were blocking and some of the plays he was in the right position. You know, it's it's all that nonsense. So, yeah. 
it yeah, sounds harsh and it has a negative connotation, but it'll genuinely be Titans propaganda for the entire yeah, that's, training. That's, camp. Yeah, that's like exactly Logan right. Woodside articles about how amazing he's been, and he's ready yeah. to take the mantle as the backup. Exactly. We don't. We don't want. We don't want that. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you get, and so uh, I, I always like to say, right? Don't don't talk about a problem unless you have a solution. I think Paul Kaharski had a good idea on his website, and the last time I checked, this was unlocked, so you can read it even if you don't have a, a Kaharski.com subscription. Uh, he was talking about how his proposal is let's let's come up with a pool of reporters, and and every day have uh, have three people. You're going to have a TV camera. You're going to have a camera camera, like take pictures, and you're going to have a writer every day. And you know, keep them six feet apart, make them wear masks, keep, put them you know, at training camp where you usually have the stands. Do whatever. But at least let them see what is happening. And then at the end of the day, these three people, before any press conference or media availability, these three people get to meet, exchange what they have, and then said writer, so, so the TV people and the camera people will then have to distribute what they got to the other reporters. And then um, uh, Ryder will have to, uh, to give his notes to the rest of everybody. You know, if, if he's taken play-by-play or such-and-such such play, he has to share his notes with everybody, maybe write up a quick little recap, just like bullet point, here's what happened, to send to the other writers so that everyone then going into a Vrabel press conference has some context to ask questions. And also, the reporters at practice that day uh, will then be able to tell the Titans PR department what players we would like to talk to, maybe based on what happened that day. And I think that that is very fair in terms of what the what we would be asking as reporters in that in that scenario, I think it is achievable on the Titans' end, and I think it can be safe because I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. We have to come up with a policy that is safe and gets the fans what they want, and that is possible. We can't just say, "Well, coronavirus, send the reporters home." No, it, it is possible to come up with something. Yeah, it it shouldn't be that difficult and if it has to be only a select few that you know are able to um go uh i think they i think i think they'll be able to i don't think they'll just completely shut out uh everyone but uh, i think the titans uh front office you know and, and communications department workers are smart enough to actually come up with a plan that will allow uh the local reporters to to get the news or or in some way I've got no problems with any, anything you said. I think it's common sense. I think it's it's a really solid plan. Um, not not only the Titans, but the NFL as a whole is generally pretty secretive about like who they let in if they don't have to. Like I'm sure if you asked every NFL coach, 90% of them would say they didn't want any media there at all. So just like I think that the players are going to use this virus as a little bit of an excuse to get out of preseason games, both short and long term. I think coaches and, you know, everybody but the owners essentially will use this as kind of a way to say, you know, well, like we couldn't have people and actually it was pretty good. So maybe we'll have, a, a, you know, a tighter circle next year. So I, I can totally see that happening. That's a problem. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, well, uh, do you have anything else to say or add on all of this? It's kind of been a doom and gloom show a little bit. It is, but those are the times we live in. It is, as optimistic as we want to be, we also have to, you know, be factual and kind of based in reality. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I will say that, you know, I think we should have a lot of hope just in general that, you know, even as everything spiked up, like the NFL and all the professional leagues have basically said, like, you know, we see it all happening and we're still going to go through with our plans. So if you're a fan of the game, like – right wrong or whatever the nfl gets the longest lead time to make that decision but it looks like these other teams are going to go first and be the guinea pigs like we've said before so you know as harsh as that reality is hopefully everything goes okay and you know the plans that the mlb and the other leagues have works out perfectly and the titans can see what works but at the very least we the nfl i say we the nfl will have the most knowledge about the topic so that should help yeah, absolutely. I mean, information is is money, as you always hear, and so, you know, it's certainly going to help them. We're going to take a quick thirty second break, and then we will come back with stop the nonsense. And to preview it, we've got some pretty good stuff this week, so you'll want to stay tuned for this segment. All right, we are all three back together now for the stop the nonsense segment of the show. And if you enjoy this segment of the show and you want to get a stop the nonsense T shirt, you can do that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash no-nonsense-pod. I I don't really know how to introduce this. Will, you were the one that sent it to us. This is one of those weeks where we're going to have a collective stop the nonsense. Um, Will, you want to just open this up? Yeah, I can. So, um, it was, what was it, on Sunday? Yeah, Uh, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, so Sunday. And so, like... I'm just scrolling through Twitter, like not expecting anything. I think it's the middle of the day. Um, and so I'm scrolling through Twitter and this picture pops up and it's an advertisement that's in the Tennessean. And I'm sure most of y'all have heard about this by now, but just to walk you through kind of how I reacted to it is <laughs> I, I saw it and I couldn't really understand what was happening. I couldn't tell if it was real or if it was fake. It's a full page advertisement in Nashville, Tennessee, which if you've been watching has been pretty progressive in, in everything they're doing. It's not, you know, it's not some rural backwoods, you know, County or anything. And it's this full page ad. That's somebody quoting, uh, scripture from the Bible and talking about how Donald Trump is basically like a hero. Uh, it says, um, I think the quote they use to, to talk about how bad it is, is quote, Islam is going to detonate a nuclear device in Nashville, Tennessee. As if, uh, as if and, Islam is like some man. Yeah, as if, yeah, as, yeah. It, like, it, it would be the same thing Islam's, if I'm like, if I'm like, Jew is going to, or Christian is going to, like. Yeah, like, well, it, it's like they don't know the difference between ISIS and Islam, and yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, Islam that's is exactly a collective it. terrorist organization. It's like, no, that's not what that is. Um, and the header is. They talk about this too. The header is some weird picture of Trump and the Pope that, like, I think they've been together, and I think this is still a photoshopped picture to make them look like closer because there's a like an American flag in the background that's not hanging the right way. Like, it's it's very strange. Like, I, it's propaganda. It's 
genuinely just propaganda. It's delicious. Yeah, and like I, I, I'll, I'll say this and I'll kind of let y'all talk about it, but it's just like it's such a weird thing to happen in 2020 that, you know, if you're an, if you're a newspaper, you have to get every ad you can. Like you, you're you're trying to stay alive. You're trying, you know, I, I get that. But at the same time, you would think that the people you put in charge of, you know, vetting these ads and going and getting these ads, you know, you would think that whoever makes sure that gets on the page is the most qualified, like the person who's not going to let anything slip past them. And for a full page ad to basically just spew hate speech and, you know, make these wild claims is insane to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's like, I feel like as if I was an advertiser person, I like really wouldn't care all too much what people advertised, but I feel like I would draw the line at propagating terroristic threats. Like, I think that's probably where the line is. And so the Tennessean, after this went out yesterday, released this nonsense about, like, we're going to start an investigation. Well, the results of that investigation <laughs> came out on Monday. And here's what the investigation revealed. This is published by the Tennessean. You know how much they paid for that advertisement, this group, the fellowship of whatever? $14,000. Are you serious? That's how much this ad cost them, a full-page ad in the Tennessean. They're from Arkansas. They had attempted to publish this in other papers, and every single one of them said no. Um, mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. Also, um, they quoted or, or like tried to use quote from some leader of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Well, Seventh-day Adventist church put out a statement on Monday, like vehemently denying any relation to this and being like, these guys are nuts. Do we have no association with this at all? Like, I mean, it's, it's delusion. Like, I mean, it's the joke. We've all lived through several ends of the world now. And when someone comes and starts talking about end times uh, or th that they're a prophet of some kind, don't believe them. And I was just talking to some friends about this. It's like, so the, the Bible talks about how, like, no one knows when the world's going to end. That's a verse in the New Testament. And it talks about how God is all-knowing. So these people pr you know, purport to believe in the Bible. Because that's what they're using as their source, right? They're saying that the Bible says all this is going to happen. You cannot believe at the same time that God is all-knowing and no one knows when the day is going to come and also believe that, like, you of all people have cracked the code. No. No, you can't. And you know what this reminds me of? Uh, I, they're pretty famous, the Westboro Baptist Church that oh, gosh, we, yes. we yeah. saw for so many years, for some reason, get attention in the media, get national attention, because they would go out and they would pretty much hate on every single, every person, really, that wasn't a part of their church. They hated on the LGBTQT, LGBT community, sorry, uh, the Jew, Jews, the Muslims, even the Christians. They were the, they were they were the on ones picketing uh, soldiers' funerals, right? Yeah, no, they were the worst, like, legitimate, I mean, I'm, I assume they're still around somehow because that's just allowed in, in our country, but this is what this kind of reminded me of, and the fact that the Tennessee in which, like, I, I don't live in Tennessee, uh, but I know several journalists from the Tennessee in 
at least I follow them on Twitter and I've read their stuff, who are incredibly respectable. And to see that, you know, outlet let that happen, yeah. it's just so shocking to me, but, really. And all those it, reporters it's, it's have, have, have tweeted about their outrage. I mean, Eric Backrack, who we've had on this show before, <laughs> tweeted that, you know, essentially this is ridiculous. And Drake Hills, who covers Nashville SC for the Tennessean, Paul Scribina, uh, who covers the Predators. I mean, I could go on and on and on about people I, I either know or know of at the Tennessean that have publicly come out and said that this is absurd and we want answers as to what exactly happened here. And, and what they said happened was whoever looked at this first in the advertising department like flagged it and said, I don't know if we should publish this. And then whoever then like had the final say or looked at it next didn't read it or just kind of read a word or two and was like, oh, religious group, okay, uh, good. And he missed the part about Islam is going to drop a bomb on Nashville on July 18th. L- luckily, I will be out, out of town when that happens. So I will be in East Tennessee, so I think I'll be okay. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm not in advertising or anything, but when I when I see something in like a magazine or a newspaper or whatever, and I'm reading through something just to like proof it to check it, I don't know. That would kind of raise some alarms to me yeah. in a way. And uh, <laughs> apparently it did, but apparently not enough. But I don't know. I'm skeptical that they didn't just go through with this just to go through with it. It's it's crazy. I mean. Uh, uh, like there's obviously no defendant or anything like that. I'm not, I'm obviously not going to try to, I just don't understand, you know, what was it last episode? We were talking about how, at least when I think Luke, you and I were growing up, we would read the Tennessee and we would read Glennon and Wyatt, and, yeah. you know, like they were, and I'm sure Matthias did too, because you've all the team. Like, of course I, it's, it's when we talked about how David Clymer, another guy, who's yeah. passed away. Like I mean and they they've had, you know, they've yeah, and they've had so many people like come through who have been really good and some that aren't good, you know, like we've we've seen that too. <laughs> but it's just crazy to think that in and we won't mention names. Uh it's crazy to think that in essentially a decade they've gone to what I used to view as the gold standard of, you know, sports journalism in Nashville to something I don't I mean Outside of Eric, I don't think I follow anybody, and uh, unless he writes something, I don't go seek out any information they have. Like it, it just they they don't have anything that appeals to me, and it's just it's such a you know it's just a reminder that you know these constant quality checks are so important to keeping the reputation of a paper like that because you let one guy go, you try to make two guys squeeze their jobs into one, it just it just never works out, and you know. That, that's kind of where we are now. So it's very frustrating. And I guess just disappointing. And I yeah. think it, it One should... last thing. Go ahead. No, just that. The Tennessean, I th- a couple of years ago, they changed like the layout of their website and kind of like their business model. And their website is it's the worst. It's yeah. like Instead, unnavigatable. Like, I, haven't, I haven't read an article. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like. You can't uh, get through it. You can't. I like. I like Gentry Estes. He's on my wish list for this podcast. If I can ever get around to inviting him on, he he's the new column sports columnist there. I think he does good stuff. Eric, we love. Uh, but as a product, as a whole, it it has um, undoubtedly declined. They did a 
pay back the fourteen grand. They gave it back and then donated an additional fourteen thousand dollars to like some uh, Muslim religious center in Nashville. So okay, good P- good PR move. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I also I also have a, a stop the nonsense aside from this, and it it takes a lot to because with with the service industry I'm typically pretty patient. It takes a lot to like make me upset, but like I was screaming in my car after this happens, and you're gonna hear it and you're gonna think why why did this set you off? It's about the principle, okay? So the other night. <laughs> I made the mistake of taking a nap at like seven o'clock. So I wake up at eight and then it's, you know, nine, 10 gets really late and you can't go to sleep about nine, about eight o'clock. I'm like, I'm going to get some ice cream because I'm going to be up for a while. So there's this place near where I live. I'm not going to say who they are. Cause I don't want this to become the like, we'll trash your business podcast, but there's a place near where I live that has really good soft serve ice cream, just plain old vanilla soft serve ice cream. So I'm like, I'm going to go there. So I look up their hours, and they, it says they close at 9.30. I'm like, okay, great. I'll get there a little after 9, get some ice cream, and then head out. So I get there around 9.10, 9.15. Takes, first of all, it takes them three minutes to acknowledge that I'm even there. And they're like looking at me. And keep, like, counting money and doing stuff. <laughs> and then finally, one of them goes, do you have a pickup order or something? <laughs> Not, hi, how are you? Do you have a pickup order or something? And I said, no. And they said, <laughs> no. They said, they said, well, what do you need? I said, can I get a, a cup of ice cream, please? The machine's already been turned off. We usually, we usually turn it off at about 8.45. Okay. I'm going to excuse the fact that they blatantly ignored and disrespected me when I walked in there. But the fact... Okay. If you're working, and like you're supposed to work from 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock, if at 5.15 you go to your boss and you say, you know what? The day's nearly over. I'm going to stay, but I'm just going to kind of call it quits in terms of, like, productivity for the rest of the day. Uh, You're going to get fired, probably. And so my thing is, do you close at 845 or do you close at 930? Because if you close at 845, sure, turn the ice cream machine off at 845. It's not like it's a laborious process. I don't think, anyway. I imagine you just hit the off switch. I've never managed a soft-serve ice cream machine. But you close at 9.30. Now, it would be one thing if I had gone in demanding, like, a full meal that they wouldn't have had time to prepare before they actually closed the restaurant. But all I wanted was a cup of ice cream that takes 10 seconds to make that had been unavailable already for half an hour. And I had already made the trip there and, you know, gotten out out of the house and in the car I, I then drove to Chick-fil-A and got there about 15 minutes before they closed, and they fixed me right up with some ice cream. But it's just like, that really bugged me. Okay, uh, 
don't don't tell us if we're right or wrong but i have a theory on what it is uh matthias real quick what's the one place you would go to to get soft serve soft serve ice cream it's not a chain it's a local place oh lame. okay lame oh uh, wendy's though i was gonna That's... i was gonna say dairy queen uh oh wait, don't uh, even get me started really on there him. one time i went to dairy queen and ordered i, I don't asked, care about trash in yeah <laughs> i asked for a uh a ba- I said, can I get a bacon hamburger instead of a bacon cheeseburger? And the guy says, hold on, let me ask if we can do that. Unironically. Oh, my God. I'm yeah, like, dude, just don't put the cheese on it. Not. He was probably calling the police because what an insane thing to order. Like, don't <laughs> order burgers without cheese. It shouldn't I, be an option. I have, a, I, have like, a friend, I have a friend who always makes fun of me for wanting, like, plain hamburgers. I mean – of course, you should have every friend that makes fun of you for that. Because what a weird thing to do! It's like I, I have a friend who uh, is the best man at my wedding, and he doesn't eat cheese on anything. Like he just refuses it, and it's the single most frustrating thing about him. Like he'll pick it off a of pizza. It, it's horrifying to watch. Oh, and uh, I remember speaking of Wendy's. I was in the drive-through one time. It was just very odd. I waited for about a minute and didn't hear anything, and then finally, someone goes. Uh, Hey, hello. I'm like, hey. And they said, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we're about to have a shift change. It's just going to be a few minutes. And so then after about five minutes, hey, this is the new shift. What can we do for you? I'm like, that was bizarre. Weird. Honestly, like that's that that's like so much swagger that I'm like, that's dope. It's like, hey, we're the new shift. What's up? It's like, yeah. Uh, um, real quick, I, I do also have a stop the nonsense. I'll just, it's a quick one. Um, Jamal Adams apparently like wants to be traded. Oh. We all know that the jets want a first round pick and, and at least a second round pick is the rumor. And then, uh, Jamal Adams wants to get paid $20 million a year after this whole like, situation. is I'm, ridiculous. I'm all the way out. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, it's I am all the way out. Well, on that. People, people keep talking about, like, I keep seeing like, should the Titans, I'm like, no, you have the best safety duo in the NFL okay. already. How many interceptions does he have? I will, I will say this while while y'all are looking that up. I do <laughs> think it's <laughs> three years. Okay, calm, calm down for a second. Let me say this. I do understand people wanting to get him because he is that weird like Derwin James like lineup at basically edge and just blitz off the corner like Logan Ryan used to do. That was yeah. really effective. Uh-huh. And the Titans have no proven like nickel corner like. You you could sell me on okay we're gonna use uh, Kevin Byard as essentially like the nickel corner sometimes like and just let him go man and then we're gonna blitz Jamal Adams from wherever, but if somebody says that they should trade for him to replace Vicaro, which is what you would essentially have to do if you're trading that much and giving him money, like you would have to make him like you'd have to build your defense around him. He'd be your most expensive player and the one you've given up the most draft capital for. But like, I do understand people wanting him, but I would rather just spend that on Ngakwe, even though we can't get him. Yeah. Oh, and I, mean, other th- I, I get it. I, I love Jamal Adams. I even wanted him when, you know, we had the fifth pick overall and I thought we probably should have taken him because he was a really safe prospect, but you're not giving up multiple first round picks for a defensive Davis. player, unless they're completely changing your defense. And he just doesn't do that because well, he's a strong safety. I think the NFL has a real problem on its hands because the NFL is set up, and every other sport is like this too, where uh, young players, particularly first four years, 
don't get paid very much, even the very best of them. If you're the first overall pick and you become really, really good, like an Andrew Luck, for example, you still get paid four or five million dollars a year at most. That's how it's that's how the system is set up, and that's how they want people to build their teams so that you know it doesn't become a spending competition. Now, obviously, once you get to year five and you can go to free agency, you cash out. But for Jamal Adams, who's on a bad team, and, I mean, he's a safety, a really good one, but he's still a safety, to be, like, demanding more money as if it is incredulous that the Jets only owe him a few million dollars, like that they are jipping him somehow. Buddy, that's how the system is set up. Like, and and I yeah. feel like... The more we have Ezekiel Elliott situations and Jamal Adams situations where these people who aren't even in their fourth year yet are talking about holdout and talking about needing a new con. I mean, people were talking about a Patrick Mahomes contract two years ago, and the guy hadn't even played his third year yet. It's like, I know these guys are good, but the NFL has got to do something about this because their system is being, like, undermined no don't even get me started on this holdout situation that that pan, this holdout epidemic that's been going around the nfl <laughs> pandemic for, for i almost said it i almost said it. <laughs> it's been going on for various years and now jamal adams is a part of it another guy who's a part of it who i love i think he's a fantastic player dalvin cook he wants what 14 million dollars per year when he's played 29 of a possible 48 games over his first three years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's insane to me. It's insane to me. Like, I understand you need to get paid, but this, this, this whole holding out stuff, it really just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It didn't make a lot of sense to me with Melvin Gordon last year, and we saw what happened there. So it's it really does, it really doesn't make sense to me when they've got two years left of team control. Because Jamal the, Adams is, has two years left, left to be in control by the Jets. <laughs> There's no leverage. Yeah, unless he just doesn't play. They can just say, um, no thanks. Okay, well, we saw how that, well, it kind of worked for Labian because the Jets are really dumb and they Yeah, but like, and and he's also like 24 or something. Uh, This this is the last kind of tangent I'll take us on, but um, it's going to be crazy when the Chiefs have to trade uh, Chris Jones, even though he has like, what, 25 sacks in the last two years as a defensive tackle? Like, but they don't have any money, and they're about to pay Patrick Mahomes like fifty or sixty million dollars a year or something. Like that—that's the trade I want to see. Is the Titans going out and getting him? They're done. Once that, once you give that quarterback that big of a contract, it's it's over. Yeah, they've got thirty-five million dollars projected next year, and that's before the deal. So imagine if Pat Mahomes was a free agent, <laughs> like an unrestricted free agent. He would make oh my god the amount of money he would make. he would make sixty million dollars yeah yeah I mean I wouldn't play this year like if 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 I was him <laughs> seriously like and I just won the Super Bowl it's like look I'm the most valuable human in this league yeah. like you're you're gonna pay me or I'm gonna wait until somebody's gonna pay me I was like Plus but he, he, oh it's the coronavirus concerns yeah it's like a win win all around yeah yeah <laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for us we appreciate everybody tuning in we'll be back next week. Until then, for Matias and Will, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.